The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do by now. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. It's time that you give yourself the gift of truth. What is the truth? You know that I don't want to believe, I want to know. And that is why tonight we have someone on the trail of the truth, specifically on the trail of the Nephilim. Tonight's special guest is L.A. Marzulli, an author, lecturer, and filmmaker. He has penned eight books, including the Nephilim trilogy, which made the CBA bestseller list. He received an honorary doctorate for the, for the series from his mentor, Dr. I.D.E. Thomas. He was the provost at Pacific International University. His new series, On the Trail of the Nephilim, is a full-color, oversized book which uncovers startling evidence that there has been a massive cover-up of what he believes are the remains of the Nephilim, the giants mentioned in the Bible. Tonight, we discuss Volume 2. Marzulli is a frank supernaturalist who has lectured on the subjects of UFOs, the Nephilim, and ancient prophetic texts, presenting his exhaustive research at conferences and churches, as well as appearances and interviews on numerous national and international radio and television programs. L.A. is on the trail, and he's with us for the first time. To learn more about L.A. Marzulli and his work, visit his website at lamarzulli.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Malibu, California, I'm privileged to welcome L.A. Marzulli. Hello, L.A., and welcome to Veritas. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mel. And by the way, that's lamarzulli.net. That's the website, lamarzulli.net. Great, great. lamarzulli.net, not .com. Perfect. Well, L.A., it, it's I don't know why I haven't had you on the show uh, before. I saw your presentation at the UFO Congress last year, and I thought we need to have L.A. here. As I mentioned before, on your book, you have a lot of our, our friends, uh, some of them are no longer with us, but mm. their memory uh, survives with us. Why are you on the trail of the Nephilim? Well, simply put, it, it basically goes back to uh, the biblical narrative and what we find written thousands of years ago, uh, specifically in the Torah, which talks about this seed war between two entities. And let me preface, you know, your listeners, so they understand that we're not talking, there's a lot of religious institutions out there, and that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the supernatural. When, when one begins to crack open those ancient prophetic texts, 
specifically in the Torah and in the Tanakh and elsewhere, one begins to find that what is there uh, is the manifestation of supernatural entities. And there seems to be, according to this text, there seems to be a war that's been going on in an, in an unseen dimension literally for millennia. And we get glimpses of this war through the text, but we also get this warning in the Genesis account telling us that your seed, there's three people in this, actually four people in this little settee. You've got Adam and Eve, supposedly, and I believe that that's literal. You've got the Most High God of the Bible, and then you've got this other character, the fallen angel, Satan. And they're all there together, and most of us know the story, but but most of us don't understand the next passage, which is sets up the rest of history. It says, the Most High God says to the fallen angel, to the fallen cherub, your seed will be an enmity with the seed of the woman. That's the whole ball of wax, Mel, right there. And so what this what this instigates is a seed war between a fallen angelic being. And we need to understand something. Uh, when I say a fallen angelic being, in, in the classic sense, we are talking about an extraterrestrial in the classic sense. Now, I don't mean it the way that, let's say, the ancient aliens um, program, with all due respect to the guys in Giorgio, would, would couch it. But in a, in a classic sense, a fallen angelic being or any type of angelic being, by the way, angel comes from angelos, which just means messenger. We don't know what they're really called. They're called the host of heaven. Um, they, they dwell in another uh, dimension. And whenever these guys show up, man, I mean, they, they, are, they are super intelligent. They have power that just blows us away. They can manipulate matter, time, space, energy in ways that we cannot. In other words, in the words of Dr. Jacobs, uh, they operate in what he calls future physics. And they are. They do. Um, and this is just status quo for them. And we read about their, them, these, these entities doing this all through these ancient texts. So with that in mind... We skip over to another chapter, Genesis 6, and we read uh, not only in the Genesis book, but in the book called the Book of Enoch, found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and is now part of a wonderful new tome, which I just received, called the uh, Sefer. And the Book of Enoch is now included um, in the canon of, of ancient biblical texts, which I find extremely exciting. Of course, some people will take great uh, umbrage with that, and that's fine. But I think that the, the Book of Enoch has a lot of merit to it, and at least should be read. The bottom line is the Book of Enoch and Genesis six, the accounts there parallel each other, and they talk about uh, these entities. Let's just call them entities because that's a word that that most people can kind of you know grasp onto without any type of uh, religious connotations. Uh, these entities come down to earth, according to Enoch. They land on Mount Hermon, and uh, it's not a weekend frat party. They're here for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they do the unthinkable. These entities take human wives, and they go into them in the biblical sense, and they produce a hybrid being known as the Nephilim, or the Nephilim, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And the Nephilim uh, are over the earth, and these are hybrid beings. In the, again, in the classic sense, they are a hybrid being. They're part human, part uh, entity, and uh, they're not supposed to be here. And the whole reason for me being on the trail 
is that our, my hypothesis, our hypothesis is simply this, that 3,500 years ago, when Joshua and Caleb, two Israelites, went into what is known as the Levant or the Promised Land, they came back and their report, which is again recorded in ancient prophetic texts, tell us that the Nephilim were there. And our hypothesis is simply this, that there were many different Nephilim tribes in that area. And as the conquest of Canaan began to happen, of these hybrid beings, these Nephilim tribes left the area. They fled the area. Some of them perhaps went northward into Europe uh, and wound up in the Americas, specifically in the Ohio Valley. Others sailed by boat out of the Mediterranean Sea and wound up in the Gulf of Mexico and fanned out from there. Others perhaps went out the Red Sea and traveled across the Pacific. The bottom line is, if this is true, Mel, if the hypothesis is true, then we should be seeing evidence of this. And that is why I am on the trail. Because what we have discovered, while not conclusive yet, seems to point back to our hypothesis that, in fact, um, entities, which I would call Nephilim or Nephilim, were in the Americas. And in, in, in uh, volume... Amitrail or Amitrail of Nephilim Volume 2, I was out in Catalina and I discovered uh, several photographs which seemed to uh, give us evidence, hardcore photographic evidence, that something anomalous was uncovered uh, around 19, uh, 1919 by an amateur archaeologist, Rob Glidden. By the way, the History Channel's uh, recent program, In Search of the Lost Giants, featured me on this because I was the one, this is my intellectual property, I, it was my discovery, and I told the Vieira brothers about this, and so they had me come on via a Skype interview, and uh, that was in their uh, season finale, and I was happy to do it. But um, that's why I'm on the trail, because it points back to the biblical narrative, and if we can substantiate that as being true, then it begs the question, wow, if that part of the biblical narrative is true, what other parts are? Or perhaps... Maybe the whole thing is true. And then it gets into other issues, which we don't, won't go into right now, but perhaps later. And the Ralph Glidden story is incredible, and I want to definitely dive into it later. Sure. But a quick parenthesis. Our listeners may have heard, uh, this may sound unrelated, President Obama referring to ISIS, the terrorist group, as ISIL. That L in the end is for Levant, the Canaan-Israel uh, area, which I wonder why he's always referring to it that way. But why do you think the Book of Enoch was rejected from the Bible? Well, it, it really, it wasn't necessarily, well, okay, it was rejected in, in, in the canonization of the Bible when a bunch of guys got together around 325 and said, okay, well, this book is good, this book is not. And the reason for this is the Book of Enoch was in and out of favor literally for hundreds of years. Um, it, it is quoted 70 times in the Tanakh. It is referenced several places in what the Christians would call, or I would call also, because I am a Christian, the New Testament. But um, the Book of Enoch is extremely controversial, and it deals with passages which I believe that some of the folks who were in that council just did not want to deal with. And frankly, we see the same uh, the same or a different incarnation, but the same mentality uh, in, in modernity that don't want to deal with this either. In other words, they, there's a group of people out there that are anti-supernaturalist. In other words, there is no supernatural. Uh, 
The events in the biblical narrative are just superstition. They were stupid people who didn't know what they were looking at. All this can be explained by science. And, and I'm saying, well, no, folks, that's not the way it works. Um, and we get this when we when we hop over to the alien abduction phenomena where people are floated through glass windows and the windows are not opened and they are levitated off their bed and space, time, matter and energy is manipulated. Isn't that interesting? And again, this points in my research, it points back to um, this fallen host of another dimension which comes to Earth and is, is creating some sort of a breeding program. Interestingly, Mel, there's a prophecy which is about 2000 years old uttered by a rabbi by the name of Yeshua. And Yeshua tells us that um, it will be like the days of Noah when he returns. So that statement is very pregnant with meaning and is, and is loaded. It has to point you back to Noah to see what distinguishes and differentiates the days of Noah from any other time in history. And of course, that is the presence of the B'nai Ha Elohim, these fallen angelic hosts of another dimension, which uh, incarnate or come down, not incarnate, but come on this planet and begin to have sex with the women creating this hybrid being known as the Nephilim. And what I find so interesting about the abduction phenomenon and the consequent so-called breeding program in, in ufology and the UFO phenomena is that it parallels very closely what we see in the days of Noah, except there's another prophecy. I'm sure some of your listeners' heads are spinning right now um, about all this prophetic stuff, but this is about 2,500 years old, this prophecy, which says their seed will mingle with the seed of men, but will not cleave to them. And this goes right back to my earlier statement about that seed war. Their seed will mingle with the seed of men, but will not cleave to them. What the heck does that mean? It means simply this. Their seed, whose seed? And that's what that's the loaded question. Their seed is the seed of the fallen ones. Okay? That's who's their seed. Will mingle with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave. And the word cleave is the, is the word that we get in, for marriage. And that's what happened in the days of Noah. These, these fallen angels came and they took wives. They chose wives, married them, went into them, and had progeny, children by them. Notice the Nephilim. Well, skip forward to modern day, and this is exactly what we see. We see that their seed is mingling with the seed of men, but there's no marriage contract. They're taking people. They're abducting people. They're implanting people. Um, they're taking the fetuses very early on. Uh, and there's a breeding program going on, but there's no marriage. So you start putting all this stuff together, and it, it does make one's head spin because it's it deals with it deals with areas that most human beings don't want to go to because it's there's no there's there's nothing to to base it on. Most people have never dealt with this stuff. I've been researching this stuff for like thirty years. So I remember when I came up to the uh, to the line uh, on some of these issues. And I just sat there on, dancing in front of that line for maybe six months before I intellectually could cross it. I, I couldn't get there. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was I was so stunned by what I was reading or discovering or looking at. I just I could I had no there was no paradigm for for which I could embrace what I was looking at. Uh, a good example of this is the the alien abduction phenomena. When I read Dr. Jacobs' books, which by the way are a must read if anyone interested sure. at all in what's going on. I, I remember reading it chapter by chapter very slowly, putting some of it down, not picking the book up again for several weeks because it was so troubling. 
I mean, when you read that book for the first time and you don't know anything about the abduction phenomena and you start reading about the way people are taken and you, and you read um, what they're saying under hypnosis, and we need to declare something, clarify something. Hypnosis is not the stage hypnosis that people see it, you know, at carnivals or whatever. This is when a person is just relaxed. They're just, and, and it takes time for that person to get into that state. They're in a very relaxed state. And in that, they can start to remember. That's what that's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about stage hypnosis. We need to clarify that. But when I'm reading the reading a testimony in the transcripts by Dr. Jacobs, extremely troubling. I mean, very very troubling encounters, very troubling testimonies, gut wrenching, and 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 frankly. Uh, troublesome to the point where I couldn't read it in one sitting. Like I normally read a lot of research books, you know, a couple hundred pages at, at a sitting or whatever, a hundred pages at a sitting and, you know, move on to something else, depending on what it is. Um, some books are more easily accessible than others. The bottom line is Jacob's book took me weeks to read because I was, I was so bothered by it. It really, it really upset me uh, to read. I remember when I sat down with Karina Sables, who was a lifelong abductee. And I heard Karina's story. And it just makes you it makes it makes you angry because she's being taken against her will. She's being probed. Uh, she's she's more than likely impregnated. Probably the, the child has been taken from her at some point. We're dealing with a, a woman right now who was impregnated. And around 12 weeks, uh, she believed she was abducted and the uh, the fetus was taken. And we're trying to to work on some of that to 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 validate um, you know to vet it uh, to, to validate the experience and uh, and talk more about it. Uh, but this stuff is going on, and so you know we I, I'm kind of off on a rabbit trail here. The the bottom line is when one begins to study this, and 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 we begin to look at at what is what is happening uh, both in antiquity and modernity. There is a link, and that link goes back to what I said earlier with the Genesis 3 account. Their seed, your seed, uh, will be at enmity with the seed of the woman. There's a seed war that's happening, and this is not going away. And I believe it's really manifesting uh, in spades right now on our planet. I'm so glad, L.A., that uh, you're discussing this because you're making that connection with the alien uh, aliens and antiquity because most people think of Roswell as the precursor in 1947, or even Aurora, Colorado in 1897. But, you know, we have paintings depicting visitation and even hieroglyphs or petroglyphs depicting encounters thousands of years ago. Absolutely. Um, this has been going on for quite some time. It's interesting that, uh, you know, you talk about the petroglyphs. Um, and I've, I've been to Navajo and, and, and Hopi places and been taken back by by elders into places where most people don't get to go, and was able to look at at some of the petroglyphs. And um, there are many with six fingers. I've I've sat down and spoken with um, Native American elders and various tribes, talking about the red-haired cannibalistic giants. Many of them with six fingers, uh, and this this all hails back to the Nephilim, the Nephilim uh, that seem to have been all through the Americas, perhaps South America, all through Europe. And they were here. They were here for thousands of, or thousands of years ago. And what's amazing is all these oral traditions talk about it. Why is it that all Native American tribes, most Native American tribes, talk about the six-fingered red-haired cannibals, the giants that were here? 
And all this is in the new book. You know, we, we showed, I only showed one of the petroglyphs, but it's a giant. And, and whether it has six fingers or not, I don't know that particular one, but there are other, other petroglyphs which I have seen with. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.